Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. All right. So this is the book of Ephesians, chapter three. Okay, last the, the last couple of weeks we've talked about God, how God, Paul, is writing to a church similar to the culture that we're living in, and he says, you're chosen, you're adopted, you're redeemed. We've talked about that, right? And then he says, not only has God saved you from your past, he saved you for your future, right? And then not only is he doing all of those things, but he's forming and transforming you in the likeness and the image of Jesus. And then last week we learned that we're citizens of his house, right? That we represent him wherever we go. And there's a representation of his spirit and of his goodness and of his kindness. And so we must understand then the character of the the father to which we represent. This week, he goes even deeper. And I'm going to read Ephesians 3. I'm going to kind of brush through a couple of verses, but I'm really going to hit on verse 10. But let's read this together. If you have your your Bibles, I'm going to Ephesians chapter 3. It's going to be on the screen. It says this, for this reason, meaning you're citizens of his kingdom, for this reason, I, Paul, He says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. He's not just saying that metaphorically. He's writing this in a prison cell. He says, I'm a prisoner of Christ for the sake of of you. We've learned that Gentiles are just everyone that are not Jew, so all of us. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to you, that was given to me for you. That is the mystery. He says this over and over. The mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly in this reading, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations in the Old Testament and the kings and the prophets, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God to the apostles and the prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, we are heirs together with Israel, with the people of God, and we're one body. We share together the promise of Christ. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to all of us the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain every one the administration of this mystery. And then, here it is, verse 10. His, Jesus' intent was that now, can we say now? Now. Now through the the what? The church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God. Interesting, right? We may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask, therefore, not to be, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which is for your glory. I don't know if you've seen, like, uh, Marvel movies, his, you know, uh, heroism movies, Marvel or DC or whatever your liking is, but there's always a moment, always a moment, that the, the person who has whatever gift or talent that is, superpower, in every story, watch carefully, they don't know that they have whatever superpower they, that they have yet, right? They're kind of like coming to understand who they are. And then the plot line, the storyline is they're, they're going through things and they go on a journey and they start realizing things and people come their way. 
And then there's a moment in every heroism story that they realize that they have a certain superpower. It was revealed to them. And then in the movie, because like all hell's breaking loose in the movie, right? The hero steps in and then they conquer whatever they need to conquer. And I love the imagery in the story of heroism because what it's doing is it's, it's showing us that there's a mystery. There's a mystery in the plot, right? And then like you walk out of the movies and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm Batman. Or I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be like Superman, you know? <laughs> And you walk out and move, you feel like, man, there's like this, because the, the story was so compelling and powerful. But you have to know that you're, again, God's handiwork. That there's a story that God is forming in you. And you must realize that your whole life, it's like, man, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? There's this mystery. There's this mystery. And you're trying to understand this mystery. Paul shares with us the mystery that was to the people of God that it's finally been known, it's been made known. I wanna to talk to us for just a, a couple of moments on how this mystery has been made known through the gospel, through Jesus. The subtitle, if I would have one, is you have access. You have access. So we see this mystery, Paul says in Colossians 1.27 that Jesus is, is it's, it's specifically that this mystery, he says this in Colossians, Christ is in you, which is the hope of glory. That's the mystery. Christ is in you, which is the hope of glory. In other words, the truth has been revealed to you in this. Christ has come to dwell in his people. And then Christ has given us a hope for a future in the immediate presence of God. In other words, that's why we have to know, and Paul beautifully he writes this in the book of Ephesians. That's why we need to know that you're an heir to the kingdom. You see what he's doing? He's laying the groundwork because in the next coming weeks, he's gonna start saying, this is who, how you should live. But I can't talk about how you should live if you don't know who you are. If you don't know who you are, then you're gonna be kinda in chaos, running to and fro, and you're not gonna be stable. You're not gonna have a concrete foundation, but if you know who you are, you know where you're going. And so Paul says, I need you to know who you are. And who, who are you? You're an heir to the throne. You're a son and a daughter. We've talked about this, right? He says, you are chosen, you are adopted, and you're set free, you're redeemed. You need to know this, that in other words, you would be able to live a life of beauty and wonder of God's masterpiece to do good works. Verse 12 says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Paul goes from a big picture cosmic story, he makes it really big. It's like, man, what, is, what on earth is he saying in here, right? This grace and this mystery and the prophets and the, and the kings. and the, Like, what, what are you talking about? Paul? He makes something really big and then he hones it down. And he goes really specific and he says, I need you to know that there's an everyday life significance. And you know what the significance is? You want to know what the mystery of God is? It's that you have access. <laughs> the reason why this is so important is because if you don't know you have access with your father, <laughs> you're not going to live as a son. If, if you, and this is why the enemy, this is why we're so big with the, the guys in the house, right? 
with the men at the house, the men here. Because as we've done this quite often, Kelly and I, we've, I I've been a youth pastor, you know, I, I feel like I've given God my 20s, right? I was 19, 20 years old. Kelly and I became youth pastors, and now I'm sitting with, with like, Kelly and I are sitting with this broken girl, and she's crying and weeping in front of us, and then I find out her father's not even in the picture. And I'm 19, 20 years old, and I start seeing this over and over and over. Where on earth are the dads? And then what happens is the enemy, he's so crafty. But if your eyes aren't seeing it, you're going to think like he's so good at what he does. No, it's like it's plain and simple to those that Paul says has revelation and wisdom. Remember that? So we pray for revelation and wisdom to have eyes to see. He says that you would, he would open up your eyes. So let me get real specific for a moment. If you have had father wounds, father wounds, you're not going to, and then, and then you, you come in relationship with Jesus, and the language is he's a father, he's a father, he's your father. You have father wounds, and what happens is if you don't have a right relationship on earth with your father, you're going to dictate your relationship with God based off your relationship with your earthly father. In other words, you're going to walk and talk and act like you don't have access to God because you might not have had access to your earthly father. And that's why messages like this and the scripture is so compelling and it draws us and it moves us and it's a mystery, but it's been revealed. And you have to learn to step into that. And he says with strength and boldness and confidence. In Christ, we have boldness and confidence of access. Boldness and freedom, in other words. The Greek says it's like a freedom of speech. I know that like uh, public speaking is like top three, the most terrifying thing in the entire world. So if we just like handpick someone to come and give a message, it, it, it's, it's scary, you know? I mean, I still get nervous coming up here. But what about when you have to say things that are uncomfortable to other people? What happens if something happens in your family and nothing's being said and you have to say something that's uncomfortable? You have to have a boldness of speech, right? So what happens is, we learn that Paul says, I need you to know the mystery. Here's the mystery. <laughs> that God has made you a son and daughter. And in the working, he's forming you to be a son and daughter. You're an heir to his throne. He now has given you boldness of speech. And boldness before other people. That's why I could care less what anyone thinks about me. I am a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple of the rabbi, and his name is Jesus. He is my Lord, and he is my Savior. No one comes before him in my life. So that's why you're going to find me on Sunday. You're going to find me at church on a Sunday morning worshiping God. You're going to see my family here at church. And not only on Sunday, that's the celebration, but every day. And my wife keeps me accountable to it, and I keep her accountable to it. We are to be people of faith. Why? Because he's given me boldness and confidence to enter his kingdom and to have access to him, but it goes deeper. The opposite of boldness and freedom in this passage, the absence of it is fear or shame in approaching God. <laughs> so when you have a distorted view of God, and I hear it all the time, I can't, if there's anything that really gets me going, it's like, no, God loves you, man. You're welcome in the church. I don't know what you've heard in the past. I don't know what's happened to you. But 
in the presence of God, you're, you, who you are, God loves. And he wants to do something. He's, he's, he's going to shower his love and his grace and his mercy on you. The building won't fall down, bro. It's going to be all right. Because what happens is the enemy, he brings his lies and he distorts our view of God. And that distortion comes with fear and shame. That's why there's so many times where we're in a, a religious bubble. And when there's unhealth in the church, there's just shame and condemnation. Like you can literally see it on your, on your, in your body. Shame and condemnation. And God says, no, 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 I, I need you to know something. Because of Jesus, you have access to me. And you don't have to be ashamed. And you don't have to be afraid. I need you to walk into my throne room with confidence because you're my son. I need Lenya to know that all her life. It doesn't matter. My, my dad tells me that all the time. and I, It means so much. He doesn't know what it does to me. Sammy, you are Whenever you want to come to this house, you're welcome. You don't have to knock on the door. You have a key to the house. This is your house. And it says something to me theologically because the way I relate to my earthly father affects my heavenly father. And what that tells me is as a father, Lenya and our future children need to know whenever you need to come home, whenever you need someone to talk to, you have access. And so we need to be healthy followers of Jesus first. So that your son and daughter can come to you, not with fear, not with shame, not with trembling, but say, Dad, I, I messed up. Man, Mom, I, I need to talk to you. Instead of, oh, I'm going to take this away, I'm going to take that away, and no more, gun, no more, no more guns, no more, <laughs> no more games. <laughs> yeah, no more games, and your phone's taken away for five months, and you're grounded for a year, and it's like there's just resentment that's built, and then we wonder why we have a resentment with God. We have to be healthy beings formed in the likeness and image. And the mystery, my friend, is that you have access to the throne room. Not pastor, not just pastor, not just leader. You have access. So if I could lovingly encourage you, stop living like you don't have access. Stop walking in a manner like you don't have access. Hebrews 4.16 and Hebrews 10, 19 are the clearest examples and explanations of this. Here's Hebrews 4, 16. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 10, 19 says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, and then I love he says this because it's very cornerstone theology. By the blood of Jesus. Hasn't Paul made that very clear? That the grace of God is a gift to you that you can't give yourself. And if you can't give it to yourself, you can't take it away. So because of what Jesus has done, there's this mystery that exploded in Paul's brain. And he's like, wait a second. I saw an echo in Abraham. I saw an echo in Caleb and Joshua. I saw an echo in, in King David and in Saul and in Solomon. I see these echoes of these prophets. I see these echoes in all the kings. And what happens is it comes to fruition because the likeness of Jesus has been, it's being echoed all throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes on the scene in fullness. 
And what does he do? He goes on a cross. We think that's a failure. We think that that was it. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I had to do this to buy you back. Because the enemy wanted you dead. And I had to let the world know that I'm not, I, I, I don't, when, when death has no sting on me, Jesus says. And so, you know, there's this movie. I love, like, the hero movies, right? But there's this one, I think it's called King Arthur, with the guy from, like, Sons of Anarchy, Charlie something. You know what I'm talking about? It's just me. He's like white guy with the, the, the blonde hair, King Arthur. Anyway, <laughs> there's this scene in the movie, right, where he has to go pick up the sword, and everyone's trying to pick up the sword because it belongs to the king, and, like, symbolically, whoever's the rightful heir can pull the sword out of the rock. But I love that, that, that movie because there's a part of it. I'm always looking at where Jesus is in anything, right? That's just how I am as a pastor. I'm like, man, that's a great, that's beautiful. And there's a scene in the movie where he realizes who he is. And he walks up to the castle with confidence. He's not ashamed. He's not afraid, even though he was an orphan. All his life, he was an orphan. He realized and came to a moment where he knew who he was. And I need somebody to know this morning, if it's one person, just because of the relationship that you might have had with people of the past, just because of the brokenness that might have been present in father wounds or mother wounds, that doesn't negate the fact that Jesus and God, he wants to do a deep work in you. But you have to allow God to throw out all of the negative mindset of the enemy. He wants you to think that you can't go to him. He wants you to believe that you can't pray to him. And I'm not, it just, just blows me away. Literally in the history of the church, there was an era where the priest would literally... They would read the word and only they could read the word, right? And then people, I've talked about this, people, in order for them to get to heaven, you have to kind of walk up the chairs, the stairs and then there's like a chime of an angel and every time the angel goes off because you drop money in a bucket, your, your ancestors or your grandma or your grandpa is taken out of hell or purgatory and it goes to heaven. That's a lot of work, isn't it? But the reason why that's so important to know is because we need to realize that just because I'm pastor doesn't mean that you don't have access. The priests don't just have access. You have access. Why? Because you're a son and a daughter of the throne. So whenever I'm in depression, whenever I'm in anxiety, whenever I have brokenness, whenever there's a storm, I realize that I have access to the Father. And I don't walk afraid, I don't walk worried, I don't walk trembled, I walk with assuredness and confidence that I get to speak to my father whenever I need to. And he wants to do a deep work in you, but if you don't get this, if you don't realize that you're a son and you're an heir, then you will live your entire life not fully grasping how wide, he says this in the next verses, how wide, how deep how massive the love he has for you. And so right now in this moment, if you get anything from chapter three of these first 13 verses, my prayer is that you would get this, is that God's intent was that now, right now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities, meaning the angels needed to know this. <laughs> the angels and the heavenlies needed to know that 
they don't even have a, a place like you do. He says, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So wherever you're at right now, can I just encourage you? Man, God, he's waiting for you. Scripture says in Revelation that he knocks at the door and he waits. And if anyone opens the door, he comes in, and it's, it's, it's language of Old Testament and, and the Roman Empire. He comes in and he'll eat with you, meaning he wants to have relationship and communion and community and connectedness with you. But it's an invitation. It's an invitation. And I'm learning as I continue to get a little bit older that it's not my job what you do. <laughs> it's not my job how, how you receive God and how you talk to God and how you walk with God. My, my only job is to represent his kingdom. My only job is to know the fullness and the wonder and the beauty and that I am called to do a great work in this world. And so my, my, my joy Kelly, we talk about this all the time. My joy is finding delight in reminding the people, us, that this word is powerful and it's beautiful and it's amazing. But if you don't know the one who created it, you've missed it. And so, yeah, we can go and we'll go and California will be saved. I love that because the spirit of God is anywhere and everywhere. And just to remind ourselves theologically, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's given you the spirit. So the spirit's within you. So I don't necessarily, <laughs> he's with me right now. Whenever I speak, whenever I talk, the more that I live life with my father, he teaches me things. Sammy, that's not how you do it. That's going to destroy you. I'm sorry, son. I'm going to have to pull some things back in your life. Because if you keep moving forward, you're going to break yourself and others. You're going to bleed on people, and I don't need that. So I'm going to prune and I'm going to do a deep work in you because I've called you to something. I need you to remind people that God is here and he's now and the spirit is within you. And by the way, that's your call too. Wherever you go in the workplace, out in the, at, at the beach, out in, in wherever you're at, it's, it's your job to represent the kingdom. But if you don't know that you have access, you'll miss it. Man, you'll miss it. Worship, you guys can come on up. And Paul, by the way, already used this language in Ephesians 2, verse 18. He says this, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Through him. And so if I could just, just, just speak to somebody in the room and maybe you've just had deep father wounds. You just had wounds. And you're not quite sure why there's a disconnect between you and God. That's why moments like these are so powerful. Because it could be in one moment that God can give you wisdom and revelation. In one moment. And that's why I just, I love church. I love community. I love the people of God because the scripture says where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is. And whatever's going on in your life, if 
maybe there's a disconnect between you and God. You need to know. Whatever happened, God, he loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. But he needs you to know. Paul needs us to know that we have access to him. In any part of our life, in any day, in any moment, in any storm, in any high, in any low, you have access to him. So walk according to your access. Right? Live that out. Wherever you go, I, I, my prayer is that God would, would, through his spirit, change you into a confident man and a woman. Confidence. To walk into any space. I'm even doing that now with my job. Come on, Brandon, right? With sales and HVAC and trying to sell air conditionings. I, before I get out of the car, I'm like, I know who I am. <laughs> I know who God is. God knows if, how, how to use my, how, how to speak to me. God knows how, how to give me the right words. But at the end of the day, I, already, I just know who I am. And I know the confidence that he's given me. And that is why it's so important as Paul, he's, he's pulling back the layers. Do you see it? He's laying this gnarly foundation because in the next coming weeks, he's coming for us. Talking about purity and sexual immorality and sex before marriage. It's like, oh, shoot. But if you miss the foundation, you'll miss it. You'll miss everything that he's trying to say if you don't know that you're a son and a daughter and he chose you and he bought you and he has a plan and a purpose for you. But when you live according to his authority and to his call over your life, you step into abundance. Abundance. So we're going to pray right now and we're going to finish. And if you want to stand with me, we're going to finish this last song of worship. We just pray. Jesus, we love you so much, God. We're grateful for your word and for your life. I ask, God, that you would do a deep work in us, that you would speak to us, that you would move in our life. God, for those that are in deep brokenness, God, for those that are in confusion, would you, by your spirit, lift the weary, lift the broken. Remind us, God, that this is no longer a mystery, that this is a deep revelation that has only come from you, and it's only through Jesus, by faith, that we must walk in accordance to how good you are in our life and reap the benefit, Lord. And as Paul said, I'm in prison writing this to you. God, may that be a reminder to us that even in deep moments of discouragement, you're still good. Even when we're in our prison cell, you're still good. Even when we're going through the roughest time of our life, God, you are still good and you're doing a deep work in us. We love you, God. Thank you for this access. In your name we pray, amen.